0: This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
2: Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack... And Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective.
3: The name's Justice. Jack. Justice. It was the third straight day of rain that did it. The first morning, grey and too cold for October. That kept them all inside. Lots of people like the rain. Like it even better when it puts on a good show the way it had been... Thunder and lightning are phenomena best observed from the dry side of a thick pane of glass. A rainy Sunday does no one any harm. Come Monday morning, it was still raining cats, with a forecast calling for dogs into the afternoon. That was less charming. Those who had to go somewhere did so with their collars pulled up high and their heads turned down low. Hats were ruined, colds were caught, and those whose shoes had worn thin with misfortune were made more miserable by streets like growing rivers that wool socks alone couldn't damn. The second day of rain reminded everyone it was only getting colder, and it’d be a long time before the sun felt good on their face again. The first ripples of a growing winter made the citizenry aware of their own mortality. It made them miserable, but it still kept them inside. I spent most of that day flipping playing cards into my hat while Madame Dessard reorganized our files again. "'The storm was making Trixie crazy, too. I wasn't worried. I had a hunch it would hold out for me. "'I woke up on the third day of rain and knew this was the day that people would start to snap. "'They'd been locked in their nice warm houses with the same faces for three days. "'Someone would chew their food the wrong way. Someone would say something they didn't really mean, "'or better yet, something they did mean but didn't mean to say.' The growing sense of mortality would be joined by feelings of mistrust, alienation, and despair. I was at the office an hour before Trixie. This was going to be a good day.
4: The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. When I saw the lights were on in the office, I just assumed we were either being robbed or a search warrant was being executed. I hoped it was the former. I could shoot a burglar without too much hue and cry, but if Lieutenant Sabian and his pals were making hash of my files, I was about to become a multiple cop killer. A detective's case files are a staggeringly useful investigative resource. Any shame is worth his salt knows there's no more reliable source of trustworthy information than that which you've produced yourself through years of casework. If you could find where anything was, that is. I hadn't yet been able to impress upon Blackjack the usefulness of the alphabet in these matters. He had his own unique approach. Murder came before insurance fraud because it was more interesting. Anything we'd rather the cops not see was in the same bottom drawer in the hopes that they'd be so excited by the first piece of incriminating evidence they found that they wouldn't notice any of the others. And the Nelson file stayed in the drawer with the bottle, since it made Jack remember Nora Nelson, and remembering Nora Nelson made Jack want a drink. Seven hours I spent on those files yesterday, watching old Squarejaw get in some target practice with his fedora... I gripped the Beretta harder, feeling its cold steel against my skin. It'd be worth it. I kicked in the door and leveled my piece at a large man's back in a familiar, badly pressed suit. Jack turned around and handed me a cup of coffee. His eyes failed to register surprise at my entrance. His smirk failed to acknowledge that he wasn't always here waiting for me half an hour before the office opened. I toyed with the idea of shooting him anyway. I decided against it. For the moment.
3: Drink it while it's hot. You'll need it. What
4: are you doing here?
3: Try it. It's a special blend. I don't
4: want to talk about the coffee. That's a
3: shame. I don't want to talk about anything else. Why
4: are you in such a good mood?
3: It's raining. It's got a nutty thing. The rain? The coffee. Shut
4: up about the coffee.
3: Can't do it. There's a dark roast mixed in. Very bold.
4: It was raining yesterday. You weren't like this. Like what? On anyone else, the word would be cheerful.
3: Yes, but yesterday it was just raining water. And today? Human misery. Or as I like to call it, Rent money.
4: You're crazy. You think people are going to come in today, in spite of the storm?
3: Because of the storm. I
4: think you've gone soft in the head.
3: Is giddy optimism something that I'm known for?
4: Not as such, no.
3: Drink your coffee.
4: The life of a detective is not a simple thing to understand from the outside. When things are busy, you're helping people with their problems, answering questions they never could. The answers don't always make them happy, but they're almost always better off knowing. You don't have to be the sort of person that reflects much on their place in the cosmos to feel like you're someone society needs. You fill an essential function. You're an agent working against the darkness in your own way. But when things slow down, it's hard not to feel yourself rooting for that same darkness. Just a little. Wishing a sleeping dragon would awaken so you could vanquish it. I doubt Jack had ever thought of it like that, but I knew that wishing for trouble made him feel like a scavenger. He couldn't escape that feeling with office work. If he wanted to put on an eager face to the world, so be it. It only created a small dilemma for me. If he was right, he'd be insufferable. If he was wrong... If he was wrong, the clock would tick and the rain would fall and Jack and I would sit behind our desks and try not to look at each other. And that is exactly what happened for two hours. Each time our gaze did meet, I could see the morning's gleam leaving his eyes. The dogs of war had been crouched, straining at the leash. I watched them slowly slip into surly irritability and finally fall into a fitful sleep as his gray eyes turned steely and lifeless. Finally, I could stand no more. What about lunch? What about it? Don't be that way. You had a hunch it didn't play out. Let's get a sandwich.
3: One of us should watch the office. In
4: case it floats away. Don't get smart. Just born that way, partner. Come on, you don't have anything corned beef can't cure.
3: Just then, there was a peal of thunder from above. The lights in the office flickered just a little... It took Trixie and I a moment to realize the disturbance had perfectly covered the opening of the office door and the entrance of a man, about 5'9", in a dark suit that was probably only light brown when it was dry. His derby hat had seen better days, but it was in no specific state of disrepair. He carried no umbrella, and his coat, while perfectly presentable in appearance, did little against the wind and cold. He had a small satchel over his shoulder, which looked like a small traveling bag, but which was, at the moment, clearly empty, but for a few items. For a moment, he seemed as startled by his own appearance as we were.
4: "'My brooding partner snapped to life and took our guest's sopping hat and coat while I got him a cup of Blackjack's Special Blend, which now had a consistency not at all unlike Tar. He didn't seem to mind. His name was Christopher Hayden, and it seemed his problems wouldn't wait for the weather to clear.'
0: Maybe you should begin at the beginning, Mr. Hayden. Well, you see, Mr. Justice, it's my sister Mary. She's a good kid. Honest she is. She just kind of... Well, she fell in with the wrong crowd, I guess. It was nothing very serious. Not at first. But Mother and Dad didn't approve.
3: And they let this be known?
0: They were only doing what they thought was right. Mary, she took it all the wrong way. You know how young people can be. Anyway... She let it drive a wedge between her and the family.
4: I'm sorry, Mr. Hayden, but where was this? I'm sorry? You have the look of a man that's been traveling, that's all.
0: Oh, yes, I see. I'm sorry. We're from Albany, New York.
4: Nice place, Albany.
0: We've always thought so. I knew Mary was having some problems with the family, but I was always sure everything would work itself out, you know. It didn't? No, no. you, You see, Mr. Justice, Trixie... I don't want to be
3: indiscreet. In our line of work, Mr. Hayden, a little indiscretion goes a long way. It's hard for us to help you when we don't really understand the situation. There was a man. How did
0: you know? There always is. What happened? Mother and Dad didn't approve. He was older than Mary, and he wasn't really from the right element. What does that mean? I'm sorry?
4: That means different things to different people. Sometimes it means the color of a person's skin or the country club they belong to. We can
3: be pretty unsympathetic to that. He'd been
0: in prison. Ah,
3: see, now that can be
0: different. What for? I- I'm sorry?
4: Why was he in the hoscow?
0: I was never all that sure. Mary said it was petty larceny and that he was innocent. Dad had heard it was assault. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't?
3: No. He's long gone, isn't he? Yes. Did he disappear, or was it back to the big
0: house? Neither. He just. just threw her away.
4: He broke it off with her?
0: I don't know. I don't know for certain everything that happened between them. I just know that my sister was humiliated. He'd left her with a reputation she didn't deserve, and she felt she couldn't come back to the family. There were some strong words. All from Mary, Mr. Justice. All in support of him. She was the only one who took those words to heart, but she just couldn't face the family afterwards. Once he was gone, she was too ashamed. Mother was heartbroken when Mary disappeared. She cried for days. Finally, I set out after her. I knew I had to find her, tell her how welcome she still was, how we're still family. The world is no place for a sweet young girl like my sister on the run from herself. Who knows what will happen to her if I can't find her.
4: Any particular reason why she'd come here?
0: She stayed with our aunt in Baltimore for a few days. By the time we found out and I'd got there, she was gone. I knew she had a friend in Chicago, so I went there next. It took me over a month to find her, but she was there. She was working as a waitress under the name Mary Kelly. I asked about her at the diner she worked in. I guess... I must have pressed the questions a little hard Made some people nervous They must have told her someone was looking for her I doubt she even knew it was me Because before I knew it she was gone I found the cabbie that took her to the train station And a ticket agent that remembered her And here I am That was two weeks ago I don't know anyone here I, I don't know where to start looking And I can't afford to keep this up forever I need help Where are you staying? The Metrolight Hotel.
4: That's not exactly around the corner. What brought you to us?
0: To be honest, two other agencies turned me down. I guess they were too busy or thought it was hopeless. The man at the desk. He sent me here.
4: Well, Mr. Hayden, usually when a detective turns down a job... Yes?
0: There's the small matter of the fee. I can give you 500 now, and I can wire for another 500 when you find Mary.
4: To tell you the truth, Mr. Hayden... 500
3: will be fine for now. Jack. Trixie... Will you write up a contract for Mr. Hayden, or shall I? I really appreciate Jack? Forgive my partner, Mr. Hayden. She only wants to make sure we have the time and resources that your case deserves. I'm sure we can accommodate you. Thank you
0: very much, Mr. Justice. You're sure I won't be taking you away from other important matters? Not
3: at all, Mr. Hayden. We're prepared for this sort of thing. After all, it never rains, but it pours.
2: You are listening to Blackjack Justice. From DecoderRingTheater.com.
3: The rain showed no sign of letting up, and neither did we. There was a procedure to this sort of thing. Anyone can follow a map to buried treasure. Finding a warm body that doesn't mean to be found is a different sort of thing altogether. In Baltimore, the girl had gone to her aunt's. In Chicago, she'd gone to a friend. "'Changed her name, yes, but she left her brother a trail of breadcrumbs, whether she'd meant to or not. "'This time she was in a city where she didn't know a soul, so she could be whoever she wanted to be, go wherever she wanted to go. "'Christopher Hayden didn't know where to begin, but I did. "'You can change your name, but not your nature. "'She'd left Chicago in a hurry and without much money, unless the tips and greasy spoons are better there than they are here. "'Then she'd taken the train, we knew that for sure.' So a girl arrives by train in a strange city. She'll need shelter and a means of support, and she doesn't have the scratch for frills like cab rides. So we started on the arrivals platform at the train station. What time would a train have come in?
4: Can we talk about this, please?
3: Talk later. Find girl now. Where's
4: the fire, Tarzan?
3: If you were lost in a city you didn't know, you'd want us to find you.
4: She's not exactly lost, Jack. She knows where she is. Our client doesn't, that's all.
3: Trixie, we're on the clock here. Is
4: that the point? If we can wrap it up by close of play, we can say our rate is a thousand bucks a day, that it?
3: I thought you knew me better than that. Doesn't
4: a person have the right to stay lost if they want to?
3: We're not going to roll her up in a carpet and throw her in the back of a truck, Trix. Her brother just wants to let her know she's welcome to come home. Does he? Do you have any reason to doubt it? I have enough. Come on, Trixie. Don't
4: start, Justice. I have instincts, too. And something about Christopher Hayden rubs me the wrong way.
3: Such as?
4: Such as why would not one but two other agencies show him the door? You know how tough things are right now. A brother looking for his long-lost sister comes in waving a thousand dollars under your nose, and you're not going to find the time?
3: Anything else?
4: His story was too smooth, too perfect, and he was too easily thrown. Never answered a question till he made you repeat it. Make
3: up your mind, Dixon. Was he too smooth or not smooth enough? Jack! All right, all right, truce. We find the girl, then we figure what to do next. You mean it? I mean everything I say.
4: When you say it.
3: Exactly. I'll take it. Fine. Fine. What time
4: did... 9.15.
3: Morning or night?
4: 2.100.
3: Roger that. What was the weather like two weeks ago yesterday?
4: Uh, What did you have for breakfast on April the 10th?
3: Black coffee, rye toast, and a boiled egg.
4: How did you... I
3: always have black coffee, rye toast, and...
4: I can't remember what the weather was like.
3: Let's assume it was the average late September night. The wind booms along pretty good. We're facing north.
4: No way, she just starts walking.
3: You think? Okay, she asks for directions... A residential hotel and a waitress's price range, preferably walking distance. You ask the man at the information desk. Start at the closest and work out in concentric circles. Do
4: you even know what concentric means? Shut up. What'll you be doing?
3: A girl's gotta eat. A girl's gotta eat, which means a girl's gotta have a job. If we assume she settled close to the station, then we could assume she found a job close to home. It sounds so simple, but it happens all the time. "'People come here to lose themselves in the great big city "'and settle in a space the size of a village. "'Human nature. "'That and most people want to be found. "'Mary Hayden, or Mary Kelly, or whoever she was calling herself, "'wouldn't be any different. "'I gave tricks the hotels, "'cause most desk clerks take a pretty dim view of hard-boiled types "'with a mug like mine looking for a sweet young girl on her own. "'If I figured the diners were going to be much more help, "'I was kidding myself.' "'I walked a dozen blocks in the driving rain "'before I found a short-order cook "'that remembered her coming in looking for a job. "'They hadn't had one. "'She hadn't left a name or an address. "'A waitress in a lunch counter down the road away "'said she hadn't seen a girl that looked like Mary's picture, "'but I could tell by the way she peered "'under the brim of my sodden fedora that she was lying. "'My shoes were full of water "'and my teeth were starting to chatter "'by the time I got to Louie's. "'Louie's was an unpretentious little hole in the wall.' Mostly sandwiches, sometimes a meatloaf special when he could be bothered. But Louie made the best coffee for 20 blocks, which is why Trixie and I were meeting there. I'd guessed that we'd need it, and brother was I right. Coffee? Please.
1: Did you want a menu?
3: Nah, what do you got that's hot?
1: The chili doesn't look too bad.
3: There's a ringing endorsement. Bring it on.
1: You'll catch your death of cold with that wet hair. (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't do much good.
3: <laughs> did its level best, I guess.
1: I think I've got a dish towel back here you could use. I'll bring your coffee.
3: Appreciate it. The raindrops pelted down harder outside. The occasional pedestrian passed by, mostly walking with the resigned stride of someone who was already as wet as they could possibly be. Louis's windows were slightly steamy, in that comfortable way that reminds you there's bad weather outside and that you aren't in it. If it weren't for the small, cold river running down the back of my neck, I could have fallen asleep right there in the booth. I closed my eyes for just a moment. From somewhere very far away, I could hear a coffee cup on a tabletop, and I could feel Louis's java pulling me by the nose, back to the land of the living. I opened my eyes, and there was sweet, young Mary Hayden holding out a dishcloth to me.
1: Here, it's pretty clean, and it's a lot drier than you. What is it? What? You kind of looked like...
3: Like I'd seen a ghost. Yeah. I get that a lot.
1: I'll... I'll get your chili.
3: Thanks. I think I could use it.
1: I'm surprised to see anybody in here with all this rain. It's been deserted for days.
3: Must be nice for you.
1: Oh, I don't know. It's a little lonely to tell the truth. Really? Sure. It's nice here in the afternoons. Lots of people, lots of conversation. Uh,
3: Conversation isn't hard to come by.
1: It is when it rains like this.
3: We're conversing now?
1: I guess we are at that. I know it sounds awful silly, it's just... Just what? Oh, nothing really. Here's your chili.
3: Thanks. Can I guess? Guess what? What nothing is.
1: If you like.
3: Well, you seem like a good waitress, based on very brief observation. And without wanting to make you uncomfortable in any way, you seem more than a little too pretty to be working in a place like this, if you'll pardon my saying so.
1: I'll pardon it for the moment.
3: So my guess is you're new in town. New in town and don't know an awful lot of people, so you like a crowd and you like to listen. Am I close?
1: Pretty close. You too?
3: Me? No. I know lots of people. I just discourage them from talking to me.
1: (laughs) How do you do that?
3: I just screw up my face like this. Like I'm going to pop the next fella that crosses me. Like somebody just stole my hat and shot my dog. That stops them before they start.
1: Is that good?
3: I'm not sure anymore.
1: Then why do you do it?
3: Habit. And simple faith that I must have had a good reason once upon a time.
1: We are not doing it now.
3: I'm on a break. (laughs) I'm Jack Justice.
1: I'm Mary Thompson.
3: See? You know one more person already. Where are you from?
1: Oh, here. And there.
3: You're awful young to be from here and there.
1: I guess I am.
3: I hope I'm not bothering you.
1: No, no. I was just thinking.
3: Well, if you felt like thinking aloud, we've been fast friends for nearly a minute now. you got an awful faraway look in your eye. I've seen that look before. Where? In the army. In fellas' eyes when they thought about home and wondered if they'd ever get back there.
1: (laughs) I don't think that can be quite right. Because I know I'll never get back there.
3: Whatever it is, it can't be that bad.
1: Oh, it was bad enough. Sometimes it's funny how someone can turn your life upside down. And sometimes it's not that funny at all. A fella? I suppose. But it's not what you think.
3: I think nothing. What about your family? No family. Seriously, though?
1: Just me. Mother died when I was small. Father father believes some things that he shouldn't have. He threw me out. I don't know why I'm telling you this.
3: Sometimes it helps. You say your mother died when you were young. Yes. No sisters or brothers?
1: I had an older brother. He was in the war too.
3: Mary. Your brother. What was his name?
1: What
4: does it matter? It matters. Well, it took some doing, but I think I've got a solid lead. It seems that the... Hello? Hello.
3: Trixie Dixon, this is... Mary Hayden.
4: It gave me no great pleasure to be right. The man who'd called himself Christopher Hayden was really Donald Tell. He'd taken on Mary's brother's identity when two other agencies had turned him down for having stories that were too close to the truth. She'd known him back in Albany. He was obsessed with her. Thought he was in love with her. When she turned him down, he'd ruined her reputation. Had her own father turn her out. All in the belief that it would drive her to him. Instead, she'd run. But everywhere she'd gone, he'd been one step behind. And now it was the three of us. On an island in the middle of a city with the water climbing fast.
3: Trixie told the phony Mr. Hayden that we'd bribed a railway man. "'That he'd told us Mary had gone on to Montreal. "'She gave him the card of a Seamus we knew there. "'She told him he was already on the case "'and would meet with Mr. Hayden as soon as he could get there. "'He'd thanked us both, shook our hands. "'I didn't say a word. "'It had been Trixie's play all the way. "'She'd set up everything with Nick in Montreal. "'He'd play it out for a week or two "'and come up with evidence the girl had gone to England. "'We didn't know if Donald Tell would follow.' but Mary Hayden would be as far in the other direction as she could get with his $500. Trixie didn't know about that part, and there'd be hell to pay later, but I didn't care. When we were sure Donald Tell was gone, I took Mary to the train station, bought her a ticket to Detroit. I told her to get a connection there, just not to tell me where she was going. Even if Tell got wise, he'd have no way to trace her. She held my hand a little. I let her do it. She told me I had a faraway look in my eyes and got on the train. Five minutes later, it was gone, covered in a blanket of driving rain. Been a lot of rain lately, but it was brown to break one day. Wherever Mary Hayden was going, I hoped there'd be sun.
2: Jack Justice, episode 8, Justice and the Deluge, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons with additional voices provided by Gregory Z. Cook and Clarissa nederlanden This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure.
3: Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill hallway, we're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.